Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Okay, well to Naomi. Anwar Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. Hello and welcome to Half Pints, the bonus content of the Irish Passport podcast we make to thank our Patreon supporters. In this episode, we're going to break down six things you need to know to understand Ireland's election on February 8th. Who are the players? Why was the election called? What are the main issues? How will the election work? What are the likely results? And finally, what do the black and tans have to do with it? One. So who are the players in all this? There are three big parties in this election. There's Fine Gael, led by current Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, which has been in power since 2011. To sum them up, Fine Gael are often described as centre or centre-right, or a liberal conservative party. How can a party be liberal conservative, you ask? Well, it basically means that Irish political parties don't fit neatly into the left-right dichotomies of other Anglophone nations. But it also means this is the party that introduced the landmark liberal reforms of equal marriage and legalised abortion, but that also likes to cut taxes and prides itself on limiting public spending. Varadkar hasn't actually led his party in an election before. It's his first time. He became Taoiseach by winning the leadership of his party and replacing former Fine Gael Taoiseach, Enda Kenny. Next, hoping to replace Fine Gael at the head of government, are their ancient rivals Fianna Fáil, led by Corkman Michal Martin, a veteran of elections who has led his party since 2011. Fianna Fáil dominated Irish politics for most of the 20th century, until a spectacular downfall in 2011 in the wake of the financial crisis, when it took much of the blame for Ireland's economic ruin. Fianna Fáil is often described as centre-to-centre-right as well, or a broad church party. Basically, in different eras, it's been a reflection of the Ireland of the time. Its popularity with older, rural and conservative voters maintains a socially conservative streak within it. For example, a significant number of Fianna Fáil politicians and supporters were against legalising same-sex marriage and abortion. Nevertheless, Michal Martin led the party into backing a yes vote in both referendums. Economically, Fianna Fáil is more relaxed about public spending than Fine Gael. And under his leadership, Michal Martin has tried to define it as even social democratic or left of centre. Then there's Sinn Féin, led by Dubliner Mary Lou Macdonald, who took over from longtime leader Gerry Adams in 2018. Sinn Féin have never been in government in the Republic, but of course they power share in Northern Ireland's ruling assembly, Stormont. They are an all-island party and their defining issue is unification of the Republic and the North. They're left-wing, they advocate for solidarity with Catalonia and Palestine, and they define themselves as an anti-austerity party during Ireland's years of financial hardship that followed its international bailout. Unlike the EU-friendly Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin express reservations about the European Union project, while shying away from the label Eurosceptic in favour of the preferred Eurocritical. So those are the three big parties. Among the smaller ones, the left-wing Labour Party and the Green Party have been part of coalitions in the past. 
Also on the left are the Social Democrats and the Solidarity People Before Profit Party. There are also a large number of independent politicians who are not part of a party, but who have sometimes been co-opted to shore up the majorities of governments gone by. Two. Why exactly was this election called? Since the last election in 2016, Ireland has had a minority government led by Fine Gael. They didn't have a majority in the Dáil, but they were lent support by their rivals Fianna Fáil in a so-called confidence and supply arrangement to pass legislation. This deal looked shaky and threatened to collapse and trigger an election a couple of times when the parties fell out. But as the crisis of Brexit thickened, the government benefited from quite a lot of cross-party solidarity. With Ireland at the centre of high-stakes international negotiations, the parties put their differences aside to maintain stability and a common front behind the Taoiseach. The resolution of the first stage of Brexit and a pause before negotiations start on the future relationship between the UK and the EU created a window of opportunity for Ireland to hold a vote and return, the parties hope, a more stable government. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar clearly hoped he would be rewarded for his handling of Brexit with more seats, but that remains to be seen. Three. What are some of the main issues that would be at play here? The top concerns for voters are health and housing, according to a poll by the Irish Times and Ipsos MRBI. In the poll, 40% of voters said health was their most important issue, and 32% said housing. Asked what issues would most influence their vote, just a measly 3% of the 1,200 voters sampled said Brexit. 7% said climate change, 7% said responsible public spending, and 8% said the economy. Why the focus on health? Well, like many developed countries, Ireland is struggling to figure out how to fund a health system which has ever more expensive and sophisticated treatments and an ageing population that requires ever more care. Particularly in rural areas, access is a problem and long waiting lists and perennially overcrowded accident and emergency rooms are a bane on those trying to get care. And then there's housing. Ireland's economic crash during the global financial crisis caused a near-total collapse of its building industry. House building essentially stopped for years, even as the population increased. We covered this in a previous episode about the housing crisis. It's only now getting going again and not quickly enough to address a large backlog of demand that has created a severe housing shortage with attendant high prices and soaring rents. It's affecting huge swathes of the population, particularly the young, and it's not confined just to low earners. However, for low earners, it's most serious of all. Rising rents in particular have pushed increasing numbers of families into homelessness, which has now reached record levels never seen before. Leo Varadkar has admitted his government failed to get a grip on the crisis and allowed it to get out of control. If you ask me, if Fine Gael get a punishing from the electorate, it's likely to be over this issue. Four. So how do elections generally work? Ireland has a proportional representation system and usually has coalition governments. It's not winner-take-all like the US or UK. Once Fianna Fáil was able to pull off outright majorities, but those days are long gone. In the Irish system, voters go to the polling booth and will see a long list of political candidates running in their constituency. The voter is asked to rank their candidates according to their preference giving number one to their favourite, number two to the runner-up, and so on all the way down. 
The idea is that the result will be the candidates that voters hate the least. Of the politicians on the list, the top three, four or five will be elected, depending on the size of the constituency. Irish elections are relatively low budget, and if you can muster up about 10,000 votes locally, you're in. That keeps politics very local, and it means any prominent local figure with access to large support networks is in with a shot. Hence, Ireland's quite large contingent of non-party independent politicians, who made up 12% of the last all. After polls close at 10pm on Saturday, February 8th, there should be an exit poll indicating how the electorate has swung. With so many small parties and unique constituencies at play though, a proper picture won't emerge until well into Sunday. That's when a picture of the results should begin to emerge in the count centres. 5. What are the likely results? The most recent poll by the Irish Times and Ipsos MRBI has Fianna Fáil in the lead at 25%, followed by Fine Gael at 23% and Sinn Féin at 21%. Among the smaller parties, the Greens are on 8%, Labour are on 5%, and the Social Democrats and Solidarity People Before Profit have 2% each. In terms of trends so far, Fine Gael are down and Fianna Fáil and Sinn Féin are up. So what will the next government look like? Well, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have essentially taken turns leading the Irish government since the foundation of the state. The most likely outcome is that the next government will be led by one of them, possibly supported by the other, or by one or two of the smaller parties, and perhaps some independents. Polls suggest Varadkar may struggle to be elected with the increased seats he hoped for. In that case, we may be in for Taoiseach Michal Martin, who would likely seek a coalition with Labour or the Greens. There is another option, though. Sinn Féin. Sinn Féin are polling at comparable levels to Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. They have said that they would want to lead a progressive alliance in government, which would be a major departure in Irish politics. Were Sinn Féin to go into government with one of the two big parties, it would be more likely to be Fianna Fáil. But it remains to be seen whether the Sinn Féin support bears out. In previous elections, Sinn Féin's support in the polls has failed to materialise to the same extent in the ballot box. What do the Black and Tans have to do with this election? The Black and Tans episode is one of those crazy debacles that just shows why you can never predict an election. Just as the election was being called, a controversy broke out over a decision by the Fine Gael government to hold a commemoration event for the Royal Irish Constabulary at Dublin Castle. Ireland is in its so-called decade of centenaries, as various 100-year anniversaries hit of the events that took place around the founding of the state. So far, Fine Gael has been credited with handling these quite well, given how contentious history can be. But this time, it was different. The Royal Irish Constabulary was the semi-military police force under British rule from 1822 to 1922. They provided ordinary policing, but they were also the ears, eyes and enforcers of the British state, a role that included the suppression of activism for Irish independence. Members were largely drawn from the local population and some had complex loyalties. After all, this was a rare opportunity for a good job at the time. When the Irish War of Independence broke out in 1919, RIC members found themselves under siege from the Irish Republican Army and increasingly confined to their barracks. In response, Britain recruited reinforcements into the RIC, the so-called Black and Tans, whose improvised and mismatched uniforms gave them their nickname. 
The Black and Tans were to work together with the newly formed Auxiliary Division of the RIC, a paramilitary unit formed to lead a counterinsurgency campaign against the IRA. Both the Auxiliaries and the Black and Tans were to become notorious for reprisal killings of civilians, arson, looting and a general campaign of terror against the populace. Hence their enduring reputation as some of the villains of history. It wasn't clear who had asked for the RIC to be commemorated and the choice to go all out with a state event at Dublin Castle seemed a jarring choice. No doubt it was intended as an extension of the broad-minded ethos that characterised the centenary celebrations of 1916, which put an emphasis on multiple perspectives and to a certain extent rejected a narrow nationalistic interpretation. It has something to do, I suspect, with Fine Gael's alienation from Irish Republican traditions during the years of conflict in the North. In its defence, Fine Gael presented the commemoration as a conciliatory gesture towards Northern Unionists and a test of readiness for unification. But it wasn't clear that Unionists wanted this, or even particularly identified with the RIC. However, they certainly heard the ensuing rejection loud and clear as the public furore set in. Publicly, the event became popularly understood as a commemoration of the Black and Tans, an ungenerous but not wholly incorrect characterization as the Black and Tans did operate within the RIC. The Wolf Tones song, Come Out Ye Black and Tans, shot to the top of Irish, UK and Australian iTunes. I was born in the Dublin street where the lyles runs the beat And the loving English feet walked all over us And every single night when we down would come home tight He'd invite the neighbours out with this chorus Come out, ship like a come out and fight me like a man Show your wife how you won medals down in Flanders uh, How the RA made you run like Galloway From the green and lovely lanes of a poll taken at the height of the controversy showed a surge in support for Fianna Fáil to 12 points ahead of Fine Gael. It's possible this was a blip, but it's certainly a fascinating demonstration of the endurance of the politics of a century ago. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are, of course, the descendants of opposing sides in Ireland's civil war of 1922-1923, as we discussed in our episode about Irish politics and the Civil War. Essentially, the Civil War broke out due to a split over whether to accept a peace deal with Britain to end the War of Independence. The side that would become Fine Gael supported accepting limited independence within the British Empire and partition. The side that would become Fianna Fáil wanted to keep fighting. This split still exists over whether there is greater patriotism in pragmatism and compromise or in faithfulness to an ideal. And that's your election primer. That's all for this edition of Half Pints, the bonus content of the Irish Passport podcast we make specially to thank our Patreon supporters. You can find our whole archive of bonus episodes over at patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport. Slán for now. Slán. <laughs>